Welcome to Real Black Consciousness Forum Podcast. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me. This is Big VJ checking in. Today's conversation, we're going to talk about our brother Dan Calloway and some information that he released saying that it would be impossible for a slave ship to travel across the Atlantic due to the rotation of the ocean's current. That's right. This is, this is what the brother said. He said it would be impossible for a slave ship to travel across the Atlantic due to the rotation of the ocean's current, right? So, yeah, we're going to dig into that today. We're going to have some information historically, go over some slides, some documents, right? If you're not familiar with who Dan Calloway is, he's a YouTuber. He's an artist. He does a great job at making, like, these black historic-style documentaries, right? He does a good job. Him, home team. Our brother Tariq Nasheed, they do great jobs making black American history style documentaries. Great job, right? In fact, I was just watching Tariq Nasheed's, um, he has like a series called The Hidden Colors. Man, he do a great job. I was watching that this weekend. And um, In terms of Dan Calloway, though, he has a uh, one of his best documentaries was the one he did about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So he, he does good work, right? But he's like the um he's like the Joe Biden of consciousness almost. Right? He just make these gaps from time to time. So it's almost kind of like a wonder because when you hear him speak freely, just talking, it doesn't even seem like this is the same person that can put together and edit and executive produce like the documentaries that he do. Because he kind of make these gaffes. Like, he, he say things like when he's just speaking that um, slavery didn't happen like you guys think it did. And then he would say, like, oh, slavery happened in reverse, you know. It wasn't anyone coming from Africa to the States. It was people leaving the States, going to Europe and going to Africa, right? Which is ironic about the conversation that we're going to have today because he says it's impossible for a slave ship to travel across the Atlantic. But when he's saying that, he's only meaning from Africa to the United States. He's against it because when he makes a lot of claims that it happened the other way around, all of a sudden, the slave ships work fine, right? When you're going from the United States to Europe or the United States to Africa, this is his words, not mine. See, the slave ships work fine. It didn't matter if they was wooden. It didn't matter about the ocean's current because this is his ideology. It works fine when he's speaking about it in that regards. Not the other way around. In fact, he said that from 1619, from his research, there was not 12 million Africans that even came over. That's false. The total number is like 92,000. Right? Total black Africans crossing the Atlantic. So he kind of like double talks. Also, what he tended to do is just question the validity of blacks being a descendant of Africans because where's the boats? Right. Where are all the ships at? If they use these ships, where the ships at? But again, he doesn't press this claim to Europeans. He doesn't ask Europeans to find the ships that they came up of. It's just weird how he kind of work his information. Right. To say the least. On the Instagram, do not become grandparents and tell your grandchildren that your ancestors were hopeless and came off wooden sailboats as enslaved Africans, quote unquote. When your own grandparents never said such a thing. Go ask the elders in your family because the stranger won't ever know your history, all right? 
So that just ties in with the initial post that he made about this transatlantic slave trade. He's kind of alluding to the fact that when he says a stranger is giving you your history, he's talking about the public school education is the only reason why blacks think that they're from Africa. It's not because Omar Ibn said, it's not because Felix Wheatley, it's not because um, Cujo Lewis, it's not because Venture Smith, it's just because it's in the public school system. Well, okay, okay. And being that grandmama, big mama, never said you was from Africa, or your grandparents, period, they can't recall coming off no boat, it's not real. Right? But when we talk about it in terms of Slave ships, we're talking about 19th century, 18th century. Who's going to have that connection? Who's going to have that information? But just by this, the power is suggesting, he's suggesting that, okay, since nobody in your family never brought it up, it's not real. Right? Your grandparents never brought it up, it's not real. But sometimes our grandparents was doing what? Being survivalists in this country, so they necessarily was not historians because they was just too busy trying to survive. My grandparents, though, I don't know about yours, mine, they never told me I had a slave name. I didn't know that. They never told me anything about being on an auction block, lynchings, being whipped. What was the legacy of the KKK? They never told me anything about you can be on the slave quarters and the master could rape any of the women that lived in the quarters and he done so they just never told me about nothing like that so I'm guessing because they did not tell me about certain things it never happened it's not real and when someone else told me that these things happened a lot of times in various plantations it wasn't real because somebody else is giving you your history now okay So in 1819, the pamphleteer was published by Dr. Thorpe. He's writing to houses in Parliament, to London. This is not someone giving you your history, right? In fact, 1740, you wasn't even allowed to read. So now that we are free people and you go back and you read documents and books from the 17th century, 18th century, and 19th century, see, nobody is giving you your history at this point. You're reading information that you don't supposed to know. Again, it is nobody trying to tell us our history. It wasn't even written to us. And I know it wasn't written to us because we was not able to read. According to what? 1740, the Carolina Negro Act, the British colonies. They didn't allow our people to read it after 1740. Which brings me to another point, because sometimes I want to be indigenous brothers. They say things like, uh, see, well, we wasn't slaves. We was just um, indentured servants. But in order to be indentured servant, you had to have three things. You have to have a contract, right? You as the employee, master got to have a contract and a circuit court. Now, if the corporation of South Carolina, 1740, produced a Negro Act that said it was illegal for you to read, what good is a contract? Are you an equal partner now? No, you're a slave. That throws that we was all indentured servants 
theory out the window. Then some of these want to be indigenous brothers say, yo, when I went back in my family line, see, we, we, we was on a farm. See, my family wasn't slave. We was on a farm. And they primarily talking about 19th century. And I'm like, yeah, of course your family was on the farm. Do you know why they was on the farm? Right. Do you know why you can see early 20th century pictures of your family and they got the overalls on? You know, you see Big Mama, she got the overalls on. And Big Daddy, he got the overalls on and they on the farm. That's a byproduct of the 1865 Black Holes, which also came out of the Carolinas. Right? What that meant was they wanted our people to be farmers or servants. And if they chose another profession, they could be taxed annually from $10 to $100. So, out of financial reasons... Being that we didn't want that tax on our back, many of our people became farmers. My family worked in the cotton patch. My big mama's side worked in the strawberry patch, right? My other big mama on my father's side, she worked in the potato plantation. They all did that to avoid that $10 to $100 tax. Different story for a different day, right? But we're going to talk about a different type of history. This is not someone giving us our history. This is something, again, published in the 1800s. It wasn't for you. You couldn't read it. So this is not nobody pulling a wool over your eyes. In fact, I always want to encourage our people to do this. If you know you couldn't read after 1740, and now we are able to read, the most important books and documents that we can get our hands on is the ones in which we were not able to read. That's what we do want to read. That's what a powerful information is at. Just my estimate. Let's take a look. We're going right to page 430. First paragraph, it says, The Ashantis and the Bantacos have lately contended for dominion. After 300,000 men were engaged, the king of the Ashantis were killed and his subjects subdued. And the king of the Bantacos, if instructed, could quickly send 20,000 captives to Concobella and down the Congo to be sold for slaves at a pound a head which would produce to the Portuguese in their own market at least two millions of pounds British, right? Okay, just just for um just for context, when it says Concobella, that's a large city northern bank of the Congo, right? Just for context. So we hear these stories in the United States of America as black men and women that where there were some interwars in Africa. There were some tribes fighting other tribes. And then whoever would win would sell the other one, unfortunately. We call it the slave trade. Um, I like to call it the gun trade because many of our people would trade it for guns. When you follow the guns, you're following slavery. Right? It's just the guns. It's all about the guns. And bear in mind, the Europeans was not selling us the same grade and level of guns that they had. But we had guns nonetheless. Different story for a different day, though, right? So this is not someone giving us our history. These are so-called white people talking to each other on a document that we're able to sneak in and read because it was not intended for us to read this, right? This is Dr. Thorpe's commentary. And again, he's speaking respectively to the Houses of Parliament. He's not talking to black people, right? Let's go to the next slide. Page 442, second paragraph. The facts which I published last year, in my view, of the increased slave trade was scarcely credible. 
but the accounts I have lately received are still more deplorable. I laid before the public proof to establish that the trade had increased more than double since 1807, when it was abolished by England. But now I have statements from Cuba that 10,000 slaves have been brought into their island in a week. Our newspapers say 12,000. My correspondents in Africa and commercial friends from that coast have assured me that the Portuguese slave trade has greatly increased since 1870, that the sea is almost covered with vessels full of slaves. When he's talking about the sea now, he's talking about the Atlantic Ocean, and that the trade is perfectly uninterrupted. At Washington, the returns for the Custom House at the Havana have been published, and the number of slaves landed at one port in a day amounts to 1,637. The date of the arrivals and the names of the vessels carrying them are given minutely. It is not most unaccountable that this devastation is permitted, that a hundred thousand brethren made in perfection of God's image and endowed with reason should be angrily debasing slaves, torn from every happiness in life, and left without a consolation but in death. And all of this continued after the whole civilized world have declared the abhorrence of this traffic in human beings. The promise of the delinquent may be nugatory, which means like no value, um, it's kind of like pointless. But a pledge from the combined alliance to arrest the delinquency is too scared for delusion. All right. Now, again, we're taking a look into the world, right? Nobody's talking to us as black and brown people in the territory that we call the United States of America. This is the pamphleteur. This is the so-called white man, Dr. Thorpe, writing to both houses of parliament. So nobody is giving you your history at this point. This is after 1740. We can't read. So when Dr. Thorpe said that the slave trade greatly increased, he wasn't talking to us. Right? He talking to his own people. When he made this statement about Cuba having 10,000 slaves in a week coming from Africa, he wasn't talking to us. Right? He wasn't talking to us. When he said that the newspaper said that 12,000 was the accurate number, he wasn't talking to us. When he said the sea was covered with vessels full of slaves going into Cuba, he wasn't talking to us. See, this is not a foreigner. It's not giving nobody no history. See, we able to read a book now. That's all that is, right? Let, let's continue, though. So now... Let's take a close look at something because Dr. Thorpe said that he was witnessing vessels full of African people coming across the Atlantic, thousands of people at Cuba, right? But the slave trade is supposed to be over, right? Just keep in mind because Dr. Thorpe's information was published in 1819, remember? The slave trade should have been quote-unquote over, right? In 1807, the Slave Trade Act was, of course, you know, this is produced by the British. Dr. Thorpe was kind of saying it was all on paper for the most part. Because, see, first of all, if there were other slave vessels going across the Atlantic, I mean, there's no way that these British ships can just, you know, run these ships down and catch them 
and just release the people or bring them back to Africa or just tell everybody that they was free, their hands was almost tied if the vessels got by them. The best that the British could do is through the Royal Navy, they created the West African Squadron and the West African Squadron posted up warships, British warships from Cape Verde all the way down to Angola as a deterrence to other European powers from bringing African slaves from West Africa to the Americas, whether South, Central, or the United States. This is what they were doing. But there's a loophole here. But there's a loophole here. Dr. Thorpe was just simply pointing out the loophole. The loophole was the treaty of 22nd January to 1815 between the Portuguese and the British. And what this treaty was, was um, this treaty was like a backdoor deal. Because what happened was when the British was going against the French, the Portuguese jumped in and helped them. So the British kind of like owed them a favor. So while the British is strongly again trying to be that deterrent to stop the slave trade, brothers and sisters from Africa coming to the United States, Central America, South America, they gave the Portuguese an out. So the Portuguese came to the British like, yo, I know you guys trying to stop slavery, but we got a little bit more business that we have to attend to, and we got to get this human cargo across the Atlantic. So they made a deal and said, okay, you could continue to move slaves, but the deal was you got to do so below the equator. Not the territory that I used to deal with, because the British used to deal with the Yoruba, the Hasa, the Igbo, the Bunu, the Fulani. But they told the Portuguese, if you get all your slaves from below the equator and stay away from the territories that we, the British, used to deal with, you'll be fine. And the Portuguese did just that. They dealt with the Kimbundu. They dealt with the Bakongo. They dealt with the Ovenbundu. They dealt with these areas south of the equator that was dominated by the Bantu peoples, right? Bantu peoples. So now here's what you got. You got the Portuguese, right? Even after British outlawed slavery, still running slave vessels, bringing them across the Atlantic, over to Brazil, because that's where the Portuguese stronghold, right? But while they having these slaves in Brazil, Cuba became a depot. Because remember, Cuba did not outlaw slavery to 1886. See, it was still good. So that's the hustle. Even though the British outlawed slavery, they still did a deal with the Portuguese. And then again, like we already spoke earlier through the treaty, the Portuguese would take African slaves from south of the equator, bring them across the Atlantic, to the territories that they had jurisdiction of. That was their footing in Brazil. But they had a great relationship with the Spanish. So they was able to use Cuba as a depot, right? And then once the slave vessels, the Portuguese slave vessels, the larger vessels would deliver the slaves to Cuba, there'd be smaller ships that would pick up the slaves from Cuba, take them to other territories surrounding that area, the United States, Mexico, etc., so essentially, this is what that uh, Hollywood film, The Amistad, was about.
that's all, right? You know, the Morgan Freeman, the Anthony Hopkins, you know, the brother playing Sink, let us free that what that was about. Portuguese slave hunters going into West Africa, right? Taking the Mende people from Sierra Leone, bringing them over through the vessel, dropping them off in Cuba. And from Cuba, there were smaller ships that would move the slaves to the required destinations so they can be sold. And the Africans, Sinke, took over the smaller ship. And then that's, you know, you guys seen the movie. That's what that was about. And that film, what the Portuguese was illegal at is that they got the slaves from Sierra Leone. Not that they had the slaves. They got them from Sierra Leone. Because Sierra Leone, see, the treaty agreed that these guys would get the slaves from below the equator. But they got the slaves from above the equator, right? But that's what that was about. It was like a depiction of the situation that was going on. So again, Dr. Thorpe, he's seen it though. And he written about it. He's like, yo, what the Portuguese is doing is they're coming over and they're dumping all these African slaves in Cuba. But when they got to Cuba, smaller ships would take them to destinations, right? Many of these destinations was in the United States of America. So let's take a look at something else. At a Texas newspaper clipping in San Felipe de Austin, April the 4th, 1833, on the motion of David G. Barrett, it was resolved that whereas it has been reported to this convention that a vessel under foreign colors has recently arrived in and departed from the Bay of Galveston, that she came direct from the island of Cuba and was laden with Negroes. And whereas it has been stated that the unfortunate beings are recently from the African coast and speak only their vernacular tongue. So at this particular convention, what they were demonstrating was that they came across the vessel. It was in Galveston, Texas. Galveston, Texas is what many of the African slaves poured it in when he left Cuba. So again, is this someone talking to you? This is in the paper, 1833. Are they talking to you? Is this somebody giving you your history? Or this is just some history that you're able to read now and you can connect the dots yourself. Let me show you something else. Let's go to another newspaper clipping. We're going to go down to Orlando. Article written June 28, 1992. It says many slaves came to the United States through Florida. And it goes along to read, in 1808, the United States ordered a halt to the importation of slaves from Africa. But the slave trade was too lucrative to be stopped. According to one source, more than a quarter of a million slaves were brought into the United States from 1808 under the Civil War, many of those slaves landed along Florida's coast. Before Florida became part of the United States in 1821, slave ships unloaded the human cargo in Florida and the slaves were smuggled into Georgia, Amelia Island, near Jacksonville was this favorite landing spot. Bear in mind that when that slave ship that we just read earlier in the paper, that was another illegal port that was also used Galveston, Texas to bring in African slaves through Cuba because once they get to Galveston 
That was their connection to Louisiana and to Mississippi, and they can go as far as up to Arkansas, right? But let's continue, though. I want to scroll down just a little bit. Let's pick up here. Many of the slaves came from Cuba, where the slave trade was still legal. Remember, Cuba, 1886, it was legal all the way up to 1886. Not only was the largely deserted coast of Florida a perfect spot for ships to unload their illegal cargo, but state leaders didn't see anything wrong with importing slaves. A Tallahassee newspaper said many do not regard the importation of slaves from Cuba as a crime. They are already slaves and their change of residency to this country is undoubtedly an improvement to their condition and should not be objected to by friends of humanity. Let's scroll down a little bit. On February 6, 1836, Cox arrived in St. Joseph. A small town on the Panhandle coast, Cox landed and told officials he was carrying oranges. Apparently, a plantation owner named Joseph Croxley had already arranged to purchase to eight slaves from Cox. The slaves were seen coming ashore, and in May, the U.S. Marshal went to Croxley's plantation and took the slaves into custody. The slaves were ordered freed, but what happened to them is unknown. When Cox attempted another trip to Florida, this time landing in Pensacola, he was arrested and released on bail. There's no records to show what happened to him. Okay, let's, let's talk about that real quick. Sometimes what I want to be uh, black indigenous brothers do is that they read a map from some history book, a map from some history book, and they say, you know, they look at the arrows, right? Because our people are good at just looking at pictures and trying to put information together. And then they make comments and say, see, look, see, all the arrows are going to South America. See, see, not that many slaves came to the United States. See, they get on that trip. The unfortunate thing about that family is when you do that, that doesn't mean when somebody dropped you off, that doesn't mean where you stayed. What Dr. Thorpe is doing is he's showing his own people back in Britain, that what's actually going on is that they're using these other islands with slavery still legal as depots. And from these depots, from these hubs, the larger vessels are dropping them off at these hubs. And from there, smaller ships are taking them to smaller ports. So you, so you can't get caught up in looking at pictures with arrows that said, look, uh, out of the majority of these 12 million African slaves, the majority of everybody, they went down to Central America and South America. Yeah, but that didn't mean that they stayed there, right? We can see through this information that we went over just now that you could be dropped off in Cuba or any of the Caribbean islands, and from there you could be taken somewhere else. That's what typically happened, right? Also, I wanted to point out the newspaper in Orlando, 1992, because it identifies something else that can be an eye-opener to our wannabe black indigenous brothers. When they say things like, um, everything is going to be on the record, you're going to be on the manifest. It should be it should be a ship record. If your people came from Africa, see, where's the records at? It should be a record. You can see slave owners and small ship owners 
working in connection with each other. But on that document, right, that ship manifest, it had things like we're transporting oranges over to this area. Didn't say anything about human beings being on the ship. It just said oranges. You see, that deceptive tool, how that works, and it'll confuse you years later because you're trying to figure out what's really going on. Right? So let's take it back to the very first line. Let's take it back to the very first line, right? Because we're going to examine that. That's what we had a conversation about. It says... Did you know it would be impossible for a slave ship to travel across the Atlantic Ocean due to the rotation of the ocean's current? When you first seen that and you first read it, you knew it was trash. You knew it was hogwash. See, but you heard it before. See, you heard Dame tell you that Malcolm X and Ronald the King and Dick Gregory, they was all in the boule and you let it go. You heard him tell you that when our people was on the auction block, they really wasn't selling people. It was like a form of stock. And then you let it go. You let them tell you that your relationship with these devils in the wilderness of North America, in particular the United States, on these plantations that... It was really like it was then, like it is today. You call him a master, but he's really just an employer. They say you was a slave, but you just was an employee. See, these are Dane's words. And you heard him say crazy things before. Because this is what he says. But you're watching every now and then, he's saying things a little bit more crazy than before. You knew... When he came out with a video about it would be impossible for a slave ship to travel across the Atlantic Ocean because of the current, you knew that was foolishness because you knew all the Europeans, there are millions of them over here in the territory that we call the United States, and they all came over here through a boat. You knew it didn't make any sense what he said. But see, somebody is paying people to drive a wedge between black Americans and black Africa. There's something behind it, man. Somebody's paying for you to do that, right? You got to ask yourself this, family. You really got to ask yourself. These Dame Callaways and these other Aboriginal Indians, right? They're 200 videos deep, 300 videos deep. You haven't seen them demonstrate one ceremonial dance, you haven't seen them demonstrate one powwow. You haven't seen them point out to you what is a sacred lake. What is a sacred mountain. Right? What rivers were sacred, right? You haven't had them explain to our people what the original natives consider who God is. In fact, you haven't heard them talk about anything that's culture related. All they really telling our people is that they're not African. If you look deep, they're not going no further than that. They're 200 videos deep. They still pulling books out. Right? 
They're trying to convince our people, even though we classify as black people, right? We classify as black people on the planet Earth. They're pulling out the 1828 dictionary and trying to convince us that we are actually the red people. And we don't believe it. We know something is wrong with that. It doesn't really make sense. There's too many missing parts. Because every time we see an Indian tribe, there's always some connection to these Mongolians. See, they haven't showed you one authentically all black American Indian tribe. And they're not going to be able to do it because it doesn't exist. Estalustas is what black Americans typically are in the United States, meaning that they are Indian by intermarriage or that was owned by an Indian or they made their way to the doll's role because they want us to believe that it was only the so-called white man that had $5 to get on the road. Nope. Mm-mm. Some of young people had $5 too to get on that road. But you got to ask yourself another question, though, right? Why is there such a boom in ideologies that's teaching black Americans that they have no connection to Africa whatsoever? Don't you know it's not in the United States government best interest for black Americans to be connected to black Africans? Don't you know that? Black Americans are intellectually strong. Right? But most importantly, black Americans are killers. They would kill for their respect. They would die for their respect. So you have to keep a people like that out of Africa. You got to keep black Americans out of Africa because Africa is the most mentally rich place on the planet Earth. And if black Americans ever decide to go back to Africa and we fall into leadership positions, we will starve the whole planet out. And they know that. Let me give you an example, right? Because I'm not going to hold you long. France, former 14 colonies in Africa, is giving France the tune of $500 billion a year. You know why they're able to do that? Because you're not in charge over there. Because the minute that you put black Americans in charge and France is coming to collect the debt, if you don't kill those people, you're willing to die from those people because that's the soul and heart of a black American this is why China can come up with these funny style deals and contracts because there's no black Americans in Africa that's watching those contracts that's overseeing these contracts this is why the East Indian is in Uganda poking his chest out because the black American is not in Uganda to make sure he put his chest back in where it belongs See, you're militant, brother and sister. They can't have you over there. See, everybody can't rob the nation blind if you're back home. I want you to consider that. This is not taking nothing from my black Nigerian brothers, you know, our brothers in Dakar, Ghanaian brothers, the Congo, Tanzania, Swaziland, South America, Ethiopia, brother, Sudan, we love you all. But our mentality is a little different because we suffered enough in the wilderness of North America that it made us strong people. 
And the key is to keep the strong people away from the strong continent because once you put those two together, the rest of the world is doomed. Peace and black power to your family. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for hanging out, man. This is Real Black Content to this forum, man. This is Big VJ, man. I get it with you guys later. Peace.